It seems that times are changing faster and becoming more uncertain with each turbulent day, and questions are emerging from everywhere. How will the Internet affect brick-and-mortar retailing? Will today's upstarts become tomorrow's dominant players? Should we simply improve our current practices, or do we need to revolutionize the ways we operate? Broadly speaking, there are three ways that companies deal with such questions, none of which is perfect. First, market-leading companies such as Microsoft Corporation and Sony Corporation take the future in their own hands by creating it, thus setting a standard for others to follow. Still, in spite of their tremendous success in shaping demand, these firms have setbacks when the marketplace doesn't follow their lead, as Sony did when its Betamax VCR format succumbed to VHS. Second, Companies may anticipate the future by understanding the trends and undercurrents at the root of change, technological, demographic, or social trends, and then figuring out how these affect their businesses. For example, Finland's Nokia Corporation is well known for anticipating its customers' explosive demand for cellular services. This approach suffers, however, when it comes to the kind of abrupt, revolutionary change represented by the Internet. Third, companies may simply try to learn from others at the forefront of change. Cisco Systems Incorporated has a knack for spotting new ventures that are developing breakthrough technologies and then acquiring those companies. To quench its thirst for knowledge, the General Electric Company sends teams of people around the world to learn from innovative companies such as Cisco. This audio program endorses all three approaches with an emphasis on the third, learning from successful companies. Also, it offers a new logic to identify both promising up-and-comers that are transforming the way business is done and veteran companies whose experience and time-tested practices continue to exert inordinate influence in the marketplace. Eclipsing the others are the 100 new market leaders a collection of businesses that are stellar by almost any standard. In this group, we find a hundred companies that, in the six years ending in May 2000, increased their sales, on average, three times faster than their peers. In comparison, the hundred most admired corporations on Fortune's list grew a little more than twice as fast as their peers. In addition, we find a hundred enterprises whose investors earned an average annual return of 48% since 1994. This surpassed not only Fortune's hundred most admired corporations, which returned on average 29% per year, but all major stock market indices, including the hot NASDAQ, which went up 32% per year in the same time period, and the more staid Dow Jones Industrials, which returned 20%. In fact, the top 100 market leaders' return was more than three times higher than the return on the average stock in the 5,009 companies that I've been tracking. Those stocks returned an average of just 14% per year. Mind you, we are talking about five extraordinary years. What these companies share, beyond their outstanding performance, is an awareness of today's most crucial challenge, the scarcity of customers. Customer scarcity should not be construed to mean that there aren't an enormous number of customers or that they aren't buying enough. In fact, 
Never in history have there been more customers whose collective buying power has been more formidable. The problem is that the typical company, battling increasingly voracious competitors for customers shortening attention, does not see or feel this awesome buying power because, paradoxically, supply and demand get out of sync when markets undergo the kind of turbulence they are undergoing today. Surging productivity has created such an abundance of products and services that customers, at least those in the industrialized world, can barely keep up with them all. At the same time, customers have unmet needs. It's like when everyone brings a covered dish to a neighborhood picnic and you end up with far too much food, but no one has brought dessert. Meanwhile, rampant innovation causes supply and demand to misalign until customers catch up to the new products and suppliers get a better handle on what customers like and don't like. The net effect is that supply is plentiful and demand becomes a bottleneck. Customer scarcity. While there may in fact be a vast number of buyers, that is not the perception of anyone trying to close a sale. This is not necessarily bad news. For those who know how to capitalize on it, the flip side of any problem is an opportunity. As always, a key to business success is knowing how to exploit scarcity wherever it appears, a concept as useful to modern art dealers, IPO managers, and Ivy League colleges as it was to Scythian goldsmiths 3,000 years ago. In the past, when raw materials were hard to procure, they were more prized. It was no coincidence that the foremost steel companies owned iron pits and coal mines. If the need for vast manufacturing plants put a premium on capital, the leading companies were those that knew how to accumulate and deploy it. Then the information revolution made talented workers the most vital resource. The ability to attract and retain talent is one reason why businesses like General Electric, number two on my current list of new market leaders, and Microsoft, number three, have maintained their prominence. More than any other factor, it is lack of customers that constrains a company's growth. It is not a scarcity of natural resources, capital, or talent. In an era when customers are bombarded with choices, the new market leader has figured out why customers favor one choice over another, and more important, uses that insight to improve the odds of becoming their choice, time after time. Today's leader is the company that views customer loyalty as a fragile condition that requires fastidious attention. We are going to explore the realities of competition in markets where customers are, according to my definition, scarce. While Fortune's most admired rankings pay homage to accomplishments from a bygone era, I identify the leaders already shaping the marketplace of the future, the exciting, unorthodox companies that will transform the way we do business in the 21st century. To be fair, Fortune now has a separate list of the Internet's top 50 e-businesses. It does not matter whether a company's market leadership derives primarily from customer intimacy, operational excellence, or product leadership. Those are the three disciplines that my co-author and I identified in our 1995 book, The Discipline of Market Leaders. Customer intimacy produced best total solution. 
operational excellence led to lowest total cost, and product leadership yielded best product. A market leader must now expect to meet challengers that match or surpass its own expertise. Intense competition for customers is driving companies to excel at every level. For example, Home Depot Incorporated, number six on my list, is not alone among hardware retailers in its preoccupation with customer intimacy. Walmart Stores Incorporated, number seven, retains its operational excellence, but must do battle with a number of other best cost rivals. And Intel Corporation, number four, is far from the world's only producer of leading-edge computer chips. In other words, top performers don't necessarily stay on top. The bar is higher. Yesterday's star is today's also shown. Just as the four-minute mile was converted from an impossible dream to the standard for any world-class distance runner, so a compelling value proposition. Has become the starting point for today's market leaders. To dominate their industries, companies must view each and every customer's buying decision, whether it is a repeat purchase or a new order, as a contest to be won against a host of competitive alternatives. To achieve and sustain competitive advantage, the winner must master additional market strategies. Aimed at coping with the new challenge of customer scarcity, our purpose is to identify those strategies and to show how they apply to all customers, whether businesses or individuals. The winners of this race, the new market leaders, have discovered how to attract the customers who everyone else seeks. How do you spot today's most influential companies? I evaluated a number of methods with which to answer that question, including the prevailing wisdom that has guided our thinking for decades. Market leaders are the largest companies in any industry. Implicitly, and often without thinking, we have equated leadership with size. But today, size is deceptive. It blinds us to the growing likelihood that giants stumble. And that the meteoric rise of up-and-coming businesses will profoundly shake up industries. Most important is the fact that size, in itself, provides no compelling reason for customers to prefer one company over another. Customers gladly patronize smaller businesses if these are more attentive to their needs. This is the reason I decided against ranking companies on the basis of their sales revenues. While that is the method used to rank the Fortune 500 and other venerable lists, it is not designed to detect up-and-coming high flyers. Another method for evaluating companies' influence is surveying people familiar with them, which is how Fortune and the Financial Times conduct their research on admired and respected organizations. But since that approach is nearly impossible to apply to more than a few hundred companies, all but an established select group in each industry are excluded. How about using market share as the guiding yardstick? Again, the drawbacks outweigh the appeal. Beyond the practical difficulty of obtaining this information, there is the problem of defining what constitutes a market. If you define it narrowly, your market share will be higher than if you include all conceivable competitors in the equation.
And because market share and sales are so strongly related, we would once again be likely to exclude up-and-coming businesses. Instead of resorting to these commonly used measures, I look for companies with a proven, by which I mean repeated, ability to win the battle for customers. I want to identify the influential companies whose business strategies make them prosper while others run into difficulty. My ideal company has a special gift for shaping market demand, for changing and raising customer expectations, thereby earning itself the status of standard setter. The single criterion that best exemplifies this is a company's ability to establish and grow customer franchises. Attracting customers is the key to market leadership in this new age, so sales growth is the number to watch. Yet traditional year-end lists of top companies can be too easily swayed by transient results. A new product soars for a year, then fades, for example. So I decided to look at sustained sales growth over the six-year period ending May 31, 2000. Casting my net as wide as possible, including both domestic and global companies, I gave as much attention to information-based and technology-driven industries as to industrial and service businesses. Both large and small companies were included, and both established and emerging companies were recognized as long as they influenced their markets equally. To reflect today's global business environment, I included companies based outside the United States whose stocks are traded here or on major international exchanges. However, I excluded privately held companies because they don't provide sufficient information to judge their performances accurately. Ultimately, the research covered 5,009 companies, about a quarter of which are based outside the United States. Together, they account for some 80% of the global market value of all stocks. To level the playing field, I compared each company's growth record with that of a peer group that included 20 other organizations of similar size competing for the same customers. Let me point out that I looked at each company's organic sales growth, not growth by acquisition or merger. I simply divided each company's sales growth expressed in dollar terms by the average sales growth of its peer group and called the resulting number the sales growth index. An index of 1.0 means the company grew as fast as its peers. An index of 2.0 means it grew twice as fast as its peer group average. Several factors make the sales growth index my preferred indicator of a company's competitive prowess. One is